At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It's a game day edition. We'll be getting you ready for Hornets versus Heat later on tonight back at the Hive. And a reminder, if you're listening to this early in the day, there still might be some seats available for you. So go to Hornets.com, check them out. Seating capacity has been increased to 5,000 for this homestand up from roughly 3,000 from the previous one and all ticket information as well as social distancing and mask policies are available at hornets.com but before we get to that there was a great write-up in cbssports.com about the hornets about lamello ball and the injury and how relatively speaking it doesn't change the mood and the themes of this hornet season and the author of it is kind enough to join us today here on the hornets hivecast it's james herbert again of cbssports.com james thanks for joining us here on the hhc Thanks so much for having me. Well, you had a great, really in-depth article that, honestly, goes all the way back to the end of the previous season as the team kind of broke camp and waited for the training bubble and goes all the way to the present day. There's a few moments that you touch on that I want to talk about later on, but first I want to talk about the mood that your article talks about and that this team has embodied throughout the season And one line that stuck out to me from your article was that it's a college-like team. And I would agree with you. There's a a youthful exuberance, excitement about this team. But what did you mean when you wrote that this Hornets professional basketball team has a lot of college-like attributes? Yeah, I think they have a lot of fun. They really love being around each other. I think a lot of it comes through just to come to the TV when you're watching them, right? Like I I didn't like get to go to Charlotte and go 
on these road trips and be around the team and like witness all this like up close. But that still was something that I think was pretty apparent just watching them. I think the style of play that they have is fun generally for the guys. And then they have captured something this year that I'm not sure is possible to predict coming into a year, whether or not you're going to have that kind of camaraderie, whether or not you're going to have that chemistry. Like when, when I asked players and coaches, like they all felt like it was something special, something rare. There's, there's sort of force, I think, throughout a professional basketball team, maybe just a professional sports team that is like kind of always sort of pushing people toward individualism and to like maximizing their own stats trying to make the most money that they possibly can and putting themselves in front of the team. And I think the teams that really embody that team spirit at a professional level, they, they do stand out. And that, that was something, I mean, the, the collegiate-like atmosphere, that was something that Coach James Rego said. Uh, assistant Coach Jay Triano compared it to the time that he kind of spent when he, I mean, he was both a player for the Canadian national team and he had two separate stints as the coach of the Canadian national team. And he said, that is sort of what this team feels like is, is a sort of national team atmosphere. And I thought both of those were really interesting just because like for me, sitting at home, watching them on league pass, they were one of my favorite teams to watch. They're one of the most fun teams in the NBA. And then to hear the coaches talk about that and to hear the players talk about how much fun they have, how much they like being around each other on the court, off the court, both and how those two things reinforce each other. Like that, that kind of backed up what, I was just sort of seeing from my couch. And that overall mood, that overall style of play, it really is an all-encompassing thing. But the player that seems to get the most credit for it, and he deserves a lot of it, has been LaMelo Ball. His style of play has been transcendent. It has been something that has captured attention across the country, and he's a big part of the reason why they became a league pass favorite for so many basketball fans in general, and in particular, a lot of national writers. But it's not just him. He maybe exemplifies a lot of it, but the foundation of this style of play was set well before LaMelo was even drafted. That was one of the things that I, I really wanted to make sure came through in the story, like even before LaMelo got hurt and you know i didn't know he was going to get hurt when i started talking to all these people and writing this story and you have the moment where it happens where you kind of take a step back and you're like whoa like what how am i going to deal with it but i think now that i've written it and it's up it's like i think it allowed me to drive home that point that i was trying to drive home anyway with a little bit more force right like i think Lamelo, he is a transformative talent he comes into a franchise it raises their ceiling it changes their trajectory just to have somebody like that, that that changes the team. But I think what what makes this situation unique is that he has been fit into the framework of a team from day one, and it has not been the LaMelo show. And I think if I could just go back to coming in the, the season, like I personally had questions about how this was all going to work. I mean, they were like dating back to last year. It was like, all right, well, our Devontae and Terry Rozier, is this like a long-term backcourt combination that they're going to build around do they both need the ball in their hands how are they going to get along that ended up working really well last year but when you add two high usage players in Lamelo ball and gordon hayward when you have an abridged training camp basically no practices throughout the year when you have almost no time for guys like take away the basketball part like almost no time for guys to really hang out and get to know each other when they came in it seemed like there was at least a chance that this would not work like just just when you're talking about dividing the the usage the playmaking between all these guys 
that at various points in their career have been the number one guy or at least used to having the ball going down the court. That does not always end up working too well. But the fact that like for this team, everybody seems happy with the way that it's worked out. The fact that, you know, at the beginning of the year, I mean, I didn't even get to cover all this stuff in the story, but like Malik Monk is out of the rotation and then all of a sudden he gets a chance and he plays the best basketball easily that we've seen his entire time with Charlotte. And it all just kind of seems to click. And there, the fact that you have all of these playmakers, but the two guys that you brought in, like, yeah, they are high usage, whatever. They can do amazing stuff with the ball, but they also like to pass. Like LaMelo loves to pass. That is his favorite thing to do on the court. Gordon Hayward can go get a bucket anytime he wants, but he's also a guy that can create for other people. So I like, to be honest, like, the the part of the reason why I wanted to include the quote from Borrego in the story saying I didn't know if Lamelo was going to expect that it would be the Lamelo show is that I had no idea like when when Lamelo came out like it, it sort of seemed to me like maybe he would be a guy you need to completely reor- reorient your franchise around him give him the ball in every possession have him run a million pick and rolls and that's just not been what it is like he came off the bench and seemed cool that he earned that starting spot the same way Devontae did at the beginning of last season. And it all just kind of worked. And I think, you know, their style of play doesn't have to change that much now that LaMelo Ball is injured. And one of the couple of stats I put in the piece sort of reflect that is like last season with Terry and Devontae being the primary ball handlers, like their passes per game, their assist percentage were near the top of the league and they, they still are that now. But it's not just that LaMelo came in changed their style he did he changed the personality of the team but this was already an unselfish team they were already starting to reflect the values that coach james brago i think was trying to instill in the team it's kind of like the fire was already burning but then there's a big tank of gasoline called Lamelo that just got sprayed mm-hmm. on and all of a sudden it is raging and burning at a whole nother level Lamelo ball i remember vividly his first press conference and his first comments about coming to the team and wanting to be a part of the style of play. He identified it pretty early. There, there was an image of LaMelo that, you know, he was willing to play anywhere, and he probably was, but he genuinely seemed excited about coming to Charlotte. He knew some of the young guys he was going to run with. He liked the the style of play, and I think he and James Borrego and Mitch Kupchak were all a little ahead of the curve and ahead of the class in identifying, like, hey, this can work and work to a level that few teams are able to achieve in terms of of sharing the basketball when it comes to LaMelo. But as you mentioned, this mood, this youthful energy of the team predates LaMelo coming. There was one moment I'd like you to expand upon, it, and it's the training camp the Hornets had during the playoff bubble. While teams involved in it were allowed to play there, teams that weren't involved were allowed to have a training camp bubble. And you didn't talk so much about what the Hornets were doing on the court, but what they were doing off the court, tennis and golf and ping pong. What were some of those foundational moments for guys like P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges that maybe have led to the continuation of their success into this season? The significance of that is that, you know, they they hadn't played basketball in six months. They hadn't been able to be around each other. Like, yeah, you'll have these, like, team Zoom calls. You'll have your group chats or whatever with your teammates. But, like, everybody was in isolation. Guys' access to basketball courts, guys' access to just kind of keeping in rhythm and trying to stay in touch with the game and all that. Like, I think not just with the Hornets, with everybody in the NBA, like, that sort of 
varied for a time, but then for all but eight teams in the NBA, that changed. And they, they were suddenly at Disney World and they were competing again. The Hornets were one of these eight teams that were just kind of sitting around like, when when are we going to have the opportunity? And then they got it. And the way Jay Triano kind of explained this to me, who was just gave me some like great perspective on what this meant for team building is like, you know, you show up and there was like a little bit of apprehension from some guys at first. Like, what are we doing this for? Like, I think a lot of us, if we were to go to like a corporate retreat of some kind, we might not be like a thousand percent amped. But like once they got there and they, you know, you have to quarantine for two days, but then you get out of your room and then they're all your teammates. They're all these guys you haven't seen in basically six months that were a part of your life every day before then and you know they're they're watching a playoff game and then the next day they're actually getting on the court and they're getting to have this experience they haven't had in so long and I, I think everybody just needed it I think the team was desperate for that kind of thing yeah they had an hour of scrimmages every day and I'm sure it was good to have that kind of competition and get your juices flowing that way but I think the bigger thing was just developing that, that kind of comfort level with each other the players and their teammates the players and the coaches that that might have been an even bigger deal that was one of the things that, that Triano told me is like just in terms of the coaching staff's level of having the players feel like they knew them. I think it makes it easier for the coaches to coach them. That, that, that is something he directly told me is like, it has never been easier for that coaching staff to joke around with players, to criticize players and have them not take it personally than it is this year, because it, it feels like this team has been together. They've developed some trust. They know that the coaches' hearts are in the right place when they're correcting them on something. And I think the players, they had something really taken away from them. And you appreciate something more after that. And I, I think they were desperate to be together. They were desperate to play basketball. They're desperate to get back on the court and be a better team than they were last year. And I think part of the thing, honestly, that I, I think was so frustrating about it for the Hornets is that they were playing their best basketball right before the hiatus. They'd gone seven and six. They had a couple of big wins. They thought they were trending in the right direction. And then just bam, it just stops and the world stopped. So I think that was a, a big pick me up for them when they really needed it. And then that was sort of an under discussed thing or underplayed thing this season that they're able to carry some of that over. So I just kind of wanted to highlight it because I mean, me personally back in September, like I am just watching the NBA bubble. I, I had no real like focus on any of the in-market bubbles that, that were happening at the time. These were meaningful things for the people involved, even if they weren't covered with any degree of intensity from like national reporters or anything. We've got much more to talk about with James Herbert of CBSSports.com, but you can read his entire article at CBSSports.com. It's entitled, Inside the Hornet's Nest, LaMelo Ball's Injury Doesn't Change What Charlotte Is Building. More with James in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there at Spectrum Center for a Sunday matinee, April 28th, when the Hornets host Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns at 1 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. James Herbert 
Robert of CBSSports.com with us today on the HHC. He just finished and published a big story on CBSSports.com entitled Inside the Hornet's Nest, LaMelo Ball's Injury Doesn't Change What Charlotte Is Building. And James, there were a couple of moments that really stood out to me that were kind of anchors to your piece. One was the win in Sacramento where the team stole a W over the Kings, and it was a thrilling come-from-behind victory. What were your takeaways, and why was that game in particular to you a signature moment for this team in the first half? So the reason why it was a signature moment was what preceded it, because there have been a ton of crazy Hornets games this year, right? Like, there have been a ton of games that have been really close. This has been by far the most clutch team in the NBA, multiple guys have hit game winners. So, like, I could have gone with numerous games like that if I just wanted to show a crazy game. But what Coach Borrego told me is that that morning when he woke up, he wasn't necessarily feeling like there was a great energy around the team at first. He didn't feel like he himself had a ton of energy, and he is generally a pretty positive, upbeat guy. But, it, you know, they were a week into a road trip. They had just lost this, like, really tough game in Golden State where they, you know, they hadn't played very well. I mean, Draymond had, like, 19 assists. Kelly Oubre had six dunks in the first quarter. I think Draymond assisted on all of them. It was just, you know, it was a a rough defensive game. It wasn't for lack of effort or anything. It was just they didn't necessarily have it that night, and maybe the team didn't have it in the morning. So so I wanted to lead with that piece because – Coach Rago told me is he's at this morning meeting, this walkthrough, and LaMelo walked into the room, and the energy just changes. And all of a sudden, there's he is lighting the room up, and the team is joking around together, and it's sort of like the stuff that we've already talked about. Like, this team has a certain joy about it. It has a certain way to snap people out of it when they're not in the best mood. And that lifted Coach Borrego up. That lifted the team up and then lo and behold they're playing this game at night and it seems like the game is totally over i can remember vividly the the king's celebration when harrison barnes dunked and the the hornets called a timeout just seemed like that game was done and then just a whole bunch of miraculous stuff happens to bring the hornets back in there was like four possessions in a row where it was just like a three-pointer, three-pointer, fouled on a three, and then a three-point play to win the game. Like, that that doesn't happen. And to have that happen and to have the Kings miss six straight free throws, like, yeah, there's a little bit of just luck there, but I think that's also kind of perfect, right? Because, like, it at times has felt like there is this, like, sort of charmed aura around this Hornets team this year and where you're just kind of like, I have no idea how they pulled that off. And like when, when I interviewed Miles Bridges and he brought up this game, we were talking about it, like, like he said, I still to this day have no idea how we won that game. Like it, it really did seem like it was over. And I think that's why you see at the end, like it was a wild celebration at the end of that game. Just like it was a wild celebration after Rozier hit the shot. The other time they played Golden State and LaMelo's lifting him up and everybody's falling on top of each other. It's like that also re- it required Draymond Green to have a uh, like double technical right at the end, and then Rozier to make a, like ridiculous contested two at the buzzer. Like th- there have been these moments throughout the year where it feels like one of those like March Madness style moments. The Hornets have had 
a couple of those, and I sort of knew going in I was probably going to lead with one of them, but I think the Sacramento game sort of stood out because of the the kind of vibe in the morning and then what happened at night. Those were some spectacular games, but again, I, I really love how you peeled it back a little bit and showed what was happening in the morning, how the Hornets were a little down, and that joyful energy that LaMelo Ball brings on the court, he brings it everywhere and picks the team up before the game even starts and helps put them on the right course for that win in Sacramento. One that didn't make it that I'm sure would have, because this is an incredibly in-depth piece. You go you know, way, way back and are very thorough, and I really enjoyed reading it and highly recommend it to all the Hornets fans out there. But one that probably just happened after you published the piece or were set to was the win over San Antonio. And I think it's kind of proof that the remainder of this Hornets team has felt the influence of LaMelo Ball and also had all of these characteristics before he even arrived so that the title of your piece rings true. LaMelo Ball's injury doesn't change what Charlotte is building because as down in the dumps as all the fans felt after the three-game losing streak and losing LaMelo for the foreseeable future, kind of lost sight of the fact that if you had told everyone before the season that the Hornets were going to lose three in a row and they would be to Denver, the Lakers, and the Clippers, all relatively healthy at the time, most people would say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Those are three title contending teams. I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. And yet in the moment, there were a good proportion of Hornets fans that were saying, sell everything that's not tied down. This is over. Life's terrible. I don't know how to handle this anymore. But the team responded, echoed the favorite word of their head coach, James Borrego, resiliency was there in spades. And they come up with this huge win in San Antonio when they weren't even playing that well offensively. They find a way to get a W and get back on track. And all of that input from before LaMelo arrived and all of that energy that he brings to the floor and to everything he does, it just continues even though LaMelo is not going to be available for the team for the foreseeable future. That is in there just briefly. Like, it's in there at the end. I couldn't go super deep into it, but the thing that stood out and the reason why I wanted to at least mention it is the Hornets, they didn't play like they did in that Raptors win a couple of weeks ago where it was just this, like, beautiful, free-flowing basketball. They're making every three, and it just it's like the platonic idea of their ball-movement-oriented system, and everybody's having a ton of fun. Like, no, this was hard. This was not a game that went perfectly for the Hornets. They had a pretty good first quarter offensively. It was sort of grit. It was toughness. It was all of these things that James Drago was already talking about as to how they were going to sort of get through this and why he believed in this team getting through. And the Spurs made some big shots in that game. Like DeMar DeRozan made some really difficult shots in that game. And it just like Terry Rozier just had the answer every time it felt like. And it's something that we have seen over and over and over again. And James Rodrigo said after that game, I think he has to be the most clutch shooter in the NBA. And he encouraged us to look up to his true shooting percentage in the clutch. And like, I did that and I cut it from the story, but it was going to be in there. But yes, everything you're saying is true. I mean, this was their starting backcourt for the first 20 games of the season. It was their starting backcourt for most of the year last year, just because LaMelo Ball, like as great as he's been, because he's hurt does not mean that the Hornets are just going to punch the rest of the season whatsoever. And even if they hadn't pulled it out, even if they had lost that game, I would say this would be the case. But I think the fact that they were able to get that win, it was a tough win. It was a road win. I think that did sort of speak to that. 
I think it was an impressive one. I think it was an important one. I think that was something they really wanted. I think it, it was sort of like a, a statement win because they wanted to probably kind of win it for LaMelo. And I think they probably wanted to win it for themselves and obviously end the losing streak, but also like sort of show to everybody like, no, he was not the whole team. This is a real team with a whole bunch of playmaking options that can beat good teams, that can beat teams that are also trying to be in the playoff mix and, and I think can win even when things aren't going perfectly because that, that is what good teams do. It is an outstanding in-depth piece behind the scenes of this Hornets season and its journey going all the way back to before LaMelo Ball was even drafted to when the team was in their training camp bubble and takes you all the way up to the present Highly, highly recommended. It. It's up on CBSSports.com right now. Inside the Hornet's Nest, LaMelo Ball's injury doesn't change what Charlotte is building. It's author James Herbert. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast. And as soon as all of the restrictions are lifted and you can safely travel again, hopefully we can record one of these in person here at Spectrum Center. That'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Our thanks again to James Herbert of CBSSports.com for joining us today on the Hornets Hivecast and definitely recommend you check out the article. Excellent in-depth piece on the Charlotte Hornets. Rob Longo, my producer from the Hornets Radio Network, here with me now as we get set for tonight's game and a little bit of busy work to get through real quick, Rob. The Hornets headed home in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, and there was certainly a chance that they might not be there alone. They are not when they start action tonight. They actually have to share fourth position with the New York Knicks, who had a big come-from-behind win over Washington yesterday. They do, however, have some distance between themselves and the Miami Heat, who are in seventh and a even wider gap between themselves and the team in 11th, the Toronto Raptors. So depending on how you slice it, this Hornets team with a little less than 30 games to go, has a one-game lead for a straight shot into the top eight in the Eastern Conference playoff bracket and four and a half games clear to make it at least into the playing game. So things certainly looking good for the Hornets as they'll welcome in a Miami Heat team that is making me have to redo all of my boards because they have reorganized that roster pretty significantly in the last 24 hours based off all reports we've seen. I would say that the Heat probably were the second busiest team yesterday's deadline. I mean, they definitely added a lot, especially getting Victor Aldipa, who, of course, we didn't even get to see the other night in Houston because he was held out for personal reasons. So I think once you get to a winning culture, and Miami definitely has that culture going to the NBA Finals last season, then your motivation just goes through the roof. You kind of saw that this season earlier with James Harden getting out of Houston and going to Brooklyn, and now all of a sudden he's dropping triple doubles left and right. So I think all of Deepo's production is going to go up when he eventually joins the team. But last night, the Heat did lose to the Trailblazers 125-122. It did come down to the wire, but Miami was pretty limited in terms of player availability. I mean, Kelly Olenek is one of the players that is going to get moved eventually from what we've seen. He did not play. Jimmy Butler had a stomach bug, so he did not play. So it'll be interesting to see if the Hornets have to deal with him tonight. So there's 
definitely a lot of unknown questions for the Heat, but give it about a week or two, and they're going to be a really dominating force in this East, probably. Goran Dragic also did not play last night with a back issue. Amongst those who did, Tyler Hero had 29 points, Bam Adebayo, 29 points, 9 rebounds, seven assists you mentioned one of their big acquisitions Victor Oladipo you know he was very productive for Houston they weren't losing games because he wasn't playing very well it was larger forces than just what Victor Oladipo could provide but this is a very very good player a multiple time all-star that'll join this Heat team they also got Nemanja Bialica from the Sacramento Kings really good stretch five gives them some additional size a backup to Bam Adebayo this will be an interesting Heat team we really don't know at this stage as we record this who's available and who's not will Jimmy Butler have a quick recovery on a back-to-back and be able to play in the Queen City we don't know similarly for Goran Dragic and we don't know amongst the trades that have been brought into Miami who will be available but it should be a lot of fun as the Hornets take on the Miami Heat one note to pass along the Hornets have also made a trade acquiring Brad Wanamaker from the Golden State Warriors and simultaneously exchanging very protected second-round picks. It's a very minor deal in the context of the overall trade deadline, but it could have a big impact on this Hornets team. Wanamaker gives some good, solid point guard depth to this team, which obviously needs it a little bit more with the injury to LaMelo Ball. It really doesn't cost them anything because the second-round pick only moves in 2025 if the Hornets, I think, are in the top five or six of the NBA record-wise, and if they're there, I don't think they're going to mind giving up a second-round pick. It's not that high of a cost. They also get back from the Warriors Toronto's 2022 second round pick which is similarly protected it's top 54 protected so in essence it's a free player for the Hornets it gives them some depth at point guard he's a good defensive player he's played in a winning culture with the Golden State Warriors also has some familiarity with some of the current Hornets players because he previously played for the Boston Celtics so he played with Gordon Hayward over there. Rob, quickly, your thoughts on the addition of Brad Wanamaker. I think it's great. I saw a tweet earlier today that called Charlotte Boston South with all these former Celtic players getting acquired, but Wanamaker's a great player. I remember watching him play at the University of Pittsburgh. I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. I used to watch him all the time playing for Pitt. He was always a great point guard, and his defense is really solid, and it couldn't really happen to a better guy. I mean, he's grinded for seven seasons overseas. He played in France, Italy, Germany, Turkey, here, there, everywhere, and he's finally getting a shot in the NBA. And he's making it count too. He's a really good foul shooter. He would be a great guy to get in there at the end of the game and hit some foul shots and get some strong defense in there as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Wanamaker in the purple and teal. Hornets game tonight against the Miami Heat. Again, we really don't know what that roster availability situation looks like for Miami, but we know this is a contender. This is one of those key games where you can see a big swing in the Eastern Conference. Depending on how things go, the Hornets could be that much further clear of the pack and put a little distance between themselves and the play-in territory of 7 through 10. Or with the loss, they'll fall right in the middle of that 7 through 10. So things can change very quickly. One last note to pass along. Tickets available for this homestand at Hornets.com. Capacity at Spectrum Center has been brought up to roughly 5,000 fans. That's about 25% capacity. We would love to have you there socially distanced within your pod and, of course, wearing your mask. But we would love to see you 
at Spectrum Center. Go to Hornets.com for more information. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We invite you to tune in tomorrow where we'll have the breakdown of tonight's game against the Miami Heat. Thanks again to my producer, Rob Longo, to James Herbert of CBSSports.com, and to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on the HHC and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.